began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Enzo Tamanini, and Callum Stewart back to discuss Queen's Park getting back to winning ways under Callum Davidson. A 1 0 victory over Inverness up north in a game that was getting some mixed reviews from those that were there in terms of the standard they were watching from both teams. But all that matters at the end of the day in this position that we're in right now is three points, and that's exactly what Queen's got. We will try and pick through and find some good things to talk about on the day. Uh, we'll also have a look because, of course, with January now past us, we will talk about the January transfer windows, the incomings, and, of course, there were a couple of outgoings late on in the window for Queen's Park. Uh, one of the incomings, and obviously one of the biggest names, probably the biggest sign of the, the window, was Danny Wilson from Colorado Rapids on a free transfer. We uh, actually had the chance to speak to one of the guys from uh, the Colorado Rapids podcast, Holding the Highline, and uh, we'll be bringing that to you. He'll tell us a little bit about what Danny Wilson's been up to at his time in Colorado over the last five years. And finally, we will look ahead to the Dunfermline game at the, what's this now, the third attempt to play Dunfermline in the league. Rescheduled a couple of times because of their nonsense pitch. They'll probably be hoping it'll be rescheduled again because they don't seem to be in any good shape now either. But before we get there, Cam and Enzo, how are we both doing? I am I'm very good. I mean, going into the, the Inverness game, I, I mean, I was really excited to see the new signings. Obviously, Danny Wilson big name, good signing, sounds exactly what we need. And it was a bit of a roller coaster of emotions because I was kind of expecting to see some of the new signings in the starting eleven, and then to see him not kicking about the team and that was a wee bit disappointing because our confidence down. I looked at the lineup and I was a wee bit hmm, humming and hawing over it. But I mean, to get away with a win at Inverness with essentially the, the same group of guys and obviously we made some changes with, with Tizard coming in and uh, McKinstry getting a start. It was, I. It was just, it was delightful. And when you reflect on the league table after that, it is such an insanely huge win. And knowing that we've got Dunfermline next week, who are obviously still in a bit of an injury crisis and obviously not in the best of form after getting thumped five 0 by Morton with some particularly comical defending. If anybody's seen the clips on Twitter, you've got to be, you've got to be feeling a wee bit better about things. I mean fantastic start from Callum Davidson getting a couple of wins in his, his first few games and obviously the air game being pretty close there's a lot to be there's a lot to be excited about especially with uh, a good few signings ready to get embedded into the squad I agree Callum I was taken in by this Danny Wilson signing and I made the trip up to Inverness I hadn't really decided whether I was going to do that prior to maybe I don't know, Thursday or Friday, I think it was. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this. I think he is going to be a bit of a difference maker for us. And then obviously the team comes out 45 minutes before kickoff and he's not even in the <laughs> in the squad at all. But fortunately, it didn't make any difference. I'm still absolutely buzzing about that. I feel as though in the context of the season, we're going to look back and say that that was just a, a huge, huge win. Because um, as you say, had we, had we lost, I don't even think a draw would have been good enough, to be honest with you. Had we not taken three points there, we're starting to get cut adrift again. But but now look at us, you know, we're, we're in a position where we've got this game in hand against a struggling Dunfermline team who um, got absolutely destroyed by Morton on, on Saturday. There. I, I saw some of the the highlights and some of the defending was genuinely, genuinely pathetic from them. If I were a Dunfermline fan, I'd be very, very concerned right now about um, about their chances. But fortunately, I'm not because I, I think things are really looking up for us. Um, and it was 
it was a good solid away performance, kind of similar to the Wraith game where we didn't we didn't create a huge amount of chances, but we dug in, did what mattered, and and, and got the three points. And uh, yeah, it's just it's such a such a massive massive day. Yeah, the uh, the stats as you say, there wasn't an awful lot of chance for Queens Park on the day, but all that does matter is those three points. Let's let's have a quick look at the game. You were our sole representative, so you can give us as, as much insight as you can from the day. Uh, let's start though with the the start on eleven, which you know, as you say, I think we were all hoping and and maybe expecting Danny Wilson to be involved. I think when you look, maybe a little bit. You know, if you can you take yourself away from the actual emotion of it, you obviously want him coming straight in. But the MLS season finished two or three months ago, so he's probably in a bit of a pre-season regime himself just now. So he might not be available, maybe for a week or two. But hopefully, his influence can still uh, play a big part in the team and, and training and things there. But I say we did have three changes to the starting eleven from the week previously, obviously the the air game. So you had. As you've already mentioned, Stuart McKinstry coming in. Will Tazard, Ben McPherson also started as well. Um, there was a couple of names obviously missing that we'll talk about later on. Um, and of course, Sean Welsh was also suspended following that red card against Ayr. Uh, Enzo, when you looked at that starting 11, so I say you, you made the decision to go based on Danny Wilson being there. He wasn't there. Was there anything else that, that particularly stood out or did surprise you about the choices that Callum Davison chose to make? For me, uh, when I look at the you know the rest of the starting eleven, not taking into consideration the fact that Wilson was nowhere to be seen, was Stuart McKinstry starting. I think we talked about this a bit in the past. We we felt as though he really needed to be given a, a chance in the starting eleven to see what he can do because obviously he's had a bit of time here and there off the bench, and it's maybe maybe not quite been enough to to fully embed into a game and and, and get involved and and show what he's capable of because obviously this is a guy who. In the past, his first spell with Motherwell was so highly rated, went down to Leeds of all places, and, and even played some brief first-team football there. So um, I think it's fair to say that the expectation on him was high. And, and, and I was, I think I was pleased to see him in the starting eleven. Other than that, I think for the most part, though, it was probably probably just about what, what I expected. And I think my main question was really what the shape was going to look like with, with these guys. But... Um, for the most part, I think it was it was pretty reasonable to be honest, given given where guys are and, and who's doing well. I think I was just pleased to see Thompson clearly move back into the middle of the park too with the other guys that started. Um I suppose there were probably some question marks about Tizard starting as well, because it's been a while since he's done that. Um but I will say he was fantastic on Saturday. I think I think he looked really, really solid at the back. Probably his best performance for us actually. So uh, ultimately it all worked out. Yeah, I it, it was it was quite a few changes, really, wasn't it? I mean, we've talked a, quite a lot about how good Jack Thompson's been, generally speaking, in in defence, but the cost of that is is him in midfield. So I think obviously with Welsh out, you were going to have to try and make some changes. And I'm pleased that Tithers came in and had a good game because he's obviously struggled a bit since he came to the club. But I'm kind of hoping he's the sort of player who, when he's obviously, he seems to have had a great game alongside Bannon, who by all accounts I believe was fantastic, and Davidson was was singing Bannon's praises after the game. But you do kind of hope that the the sort of trio of young centre backs of Bannon, Tizard, and I guess Charlie Fox, they can all benefit once Wilson gets back into the squad and and learn a bit from him because I think they're all they're all talented defenders clearly, and I think um, having having him alongside them will hopefully make a big impact. How did you find Bruce? Because obviously, I mean, we'll, we'll cover the signings in more detail, but I don't know what I was expecting in terms of the signings, but to be signing Joshua Scott uh, from Newcastle, I was 
was it, it felt a wee bit out of left field, I think. Um, but I assume he's going to be competing for for Bruce's Scott, uh, Bruce's spot. And he came on in the last was it half an hour he got in the game, and from yeah. what I could tell, he seemed to put in a good performance. So I think he's going to be competing with Bruce. You'd imagine. I think he will be. Yeah. Um, I actually thought Scott when he came on was fantastic. He was really. Uh, like I touched on earlier on, the way we really kind of had to grind that result out, that similarly to the, the the performance and result against Wraith Rovers at Starks Park a couple of weeks ago, it was very um, very much the same kind of game. Obviously, we managed to come away with a clean sheet as well. But Scott, when he came on, I thought he looked really good. He wasn't scared to get stuck in. Uh, he was. Um, he wasn't scared to put a tackle in. And uh, and I think he's just the kind of guy that you need in that sort of situation where you are looking to to hold on to uh, to a lead. Um, and I was given that when he came in, as you say, I don't think any of us thought that we necessarily needed another left back. I don't think it was probably wasn't at the, the top of any of our list of priorities anyway. But um, he, he looked really, really solid, and, and and I'm pleased that we managed to do that bit of business right at the end of the uh, of deadline day. Um, in terms of how Bruce himself did, I thought he was I thought he was fine, honestly. I thought Inverness in general. Even though they had a lot of chances and they, they they had a lot of the ball, I think possession was maybe fifty five forty five. So it's not as though they, they totally dominated possession. But you look at the stats, and the, the, the key thing is, or the clear thing, I suppose, is that they had so many more shots than us. But the thing is, most of them were honestly rubbish. Most of them weren't particularly dangerous. You know, even even at, right at the very end of the game, we gave away a free kick um, on the edge of the box, and that was like given you know that what happened against Ayr, I was a little bit nervous there and and against Wraith as well, they almost scored a free kick right at the end but Inverness's effort was terrible, it looked like somebody was trying to convert from a, from a try in a game of rugby, do you know what I mean? It was just it was just rubbish um, and, and that kind of probably summed up their performance where they had a lot of the ball and just they, they, they really didn't threaten us at all, despite what the stats might look like and, and that's why I, I don't think, honestly I don't think Bruce, at least defensively, um, was hugely involved you did um you did send us a message at half time, Enzo, where you, you called that the worst game of football you've seen all season, which I think is quite a big statement given some of the some of the Queen's Park performances we've watched over this year. Um what what do you think changed in the second half or what did change with Queen's Park in the second half to to turn it around and obviously well, I think it was not long into the, the second half, wasn't it, where Dom Thomas got the opening goal or the only goal of the game? And that's the thing, I don't think much did actually change overall. I think all it took was us getting that goal because they were never going to score. Once we get that goal, I felt relatively comfortable for the rest of the game, to be honest with you. So as soon as Dom, and I thought it was a great goal, by the way, and I'm sure we'll go into a bit more detail, um, they could maybe have done a little bit better defensively, but the 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 whole, I feel as though that was the game plan from, from the beginning. The game plan was don't let them score, nick a goal, and then just do your thing for the rest of the game. And it, it, we, you know, we, we put it into, uh, we actioned that fantastically and, and I think not a whole lot did change you're right the first half it wasn't remotely entertaining I did say that to you and I probably stand by that I'd obviously had a few drinks on Saturday but um, it was just there were some, there have been other games this season which have been worse because we've been worse but just from a purely entertainment perspective if I were a neutral watching that I would not have been having a good time let, you say you will get into the goal, but let's talk about Don Thomas's goal. Um, it was sort of build-up play on on the right-hand side. The ball eventually comes to Don Thomas, and he cuts inside as he loves to do from that that right-hand side of the park onto his uh his, his best, his stronger left foot. Although we've seen some good goals with his right foot as well, and he he almost wrong foots the, the goalkeeper. I think the goalkeeper is adamant that it's going to go the far corner, and he gets himself ready to dive across. And Don Thomas sends it the other way, sends it bottom left-hand corner as, as the keeper's looking at it. 
and uh, slots it into the bottom of the net. And uh, yeah, it is a great goal. It's a great finish. It's one that we're used to seeing Dom Thomas or we're used to seeing him do. Love to see him do it a little bit more, maybe. This is the I thing mean, with Dom Thomas, though, isn't it? Like he, he's just got that wee bit X factor around him that most players in the league don't have, and that's why he's so important. I mean, how many times this season have we said like if Dom Thomas Dom Thomas plays to his ability, you just win the game? He he does have that in him, so massively, massively important. And I was just kind of reflecting back on earlier in the transfer window, mind when there was all those rumors swirling that. Thistle were after him and Wraith were after them or were a wee bit, hmm, that seems a bit odd and thankfully that wasn't the case. I've seen the fantastic picture of him sort of beating his chest after he scored, he proper, proper buzzing for it. So, no, it's it's good, it's good and with the with the group of signings that we've made, I'm, I think on the whole I'm pretty, pretty happy with the whole, so positive steps. I was personally hoping for a, a striker with a bit more experience and I know that Car- uh, that um... Crow did come off the bench. I, I can't remember him doing much, but I certainly can't remember him doing anything wrong either. So I'm happy with that for his for his first outing, given that he hasn't played any real senior football before. Um, and I, you know, you know, I, I was hoping for a, a striker with a bit more experience to come in, but it hasn't happened, and I'm not too concerned about it because I think the rest of the guys that come in have been all right. I mean, how how would you how would you rate our transfer window on a scale of one to ten right now? How do you how do you both feel about it if you had to give it a a, a vote? I think it's I think it's tricky, isn't it? Because I'm not quite sure yet what formation we're going to play, and I think for me that will determine it a wee bit. I mean, am I right in saying that it was kind of back to the the three up front ends? Or was that right with with Dom it was, like a, it was almost like a five-two-three, I suppose, with Thompson uh, and in the middle of the park. Yeah. So in that in that in that sort of formation, I think having Crow is is fine because I think it would be a bit unreasonable for us to expect an experienced striker to come down a level or whatever and then I guess be second fiddle to Peyton. So Crow in that instance to me makes sense. It gives obviously we've not seen him yet. We can't take anything from him and it's worth a football. But I mean from what Davidson was saying, he's a sort of high energy, really fast, sort of physical guy. So I think that'll work well in this league, hopefully. Um but I guess we'll need to see. Wilson to me is better than what I was expecting at centre back in terms of experience. Obviously, we need to see how he is, if he's fit, etc. But on paper, that looks like an excellent signing. Josh Scott, I mean, again, 30 minutes worth of football. But I think on the whole, I'm pretty happy with it. It was actually more signings than what I anticipated. I didn't think that we would bring in five. I guess the. The flip side of that is that we obviously have lost Jack Spong and we've lost Callan McKenna. McKenna, obviously, hopefully that, that doesn't impact us because we just assume and pray that Ferry doesn't get injured for the rest of the season. But Jack Spong, I still think, would have added value this season um, depending on, on how we set up. But on the whole, I'd probably go for a, a 7 out of 10. I'm, I'm not sure I could be given the position in our league as well. And the fact that we're not exactly the the biggest club in the world, I think we've done pretty well. Yeah, I would say so. It's probably around about that. I mean, it is. It's still very difficult to to put a a rating on it or to deem it a success or a failure yet, because you know, yeah, as, as you say, some of these guys have literally just played five minutes or so for Queens Park, and some of them don't look like they played much at all. With with Kroll and um, with Joshua Scott, it doesn't look like they've played much football or been on like any even like loan spells or whatever from there previous clubs like Cardiff and Newcastle respectively so um, I want to see a little bit more from from them and see what they're able to, to offer before I start saying whether they're 
they're good additions here or, or not. Uh, Danny Wilson should, on paper, be a good addition, even if maybe there are any injury issues or fitness issues or whatever. You'd think that a guy like him will be just as valuable off the park as he would be on it. He does add that experience. I mean, how how vital or how many times have we been saying that word when it comes to looking at new signings? Uh, or looking at the squad this entire season so far, he's going to add that. So even if he's not playing, he should be a benefit to particularly the other defenders there, but hopefully just the squad in general. Um, I say I think it might be difficult. I'm more and definitely on the. I was going to obviously come on and talk about the transfer window in general anyway, but since we've raised it, uh, a quick word on then with you've already mentioned Cal but Jack Spong leaving as well. Cal McKenna is obviously a little bit different. Obviously, there's a, a fee reportedly involved with him, but. Enzo, I assume, like myself, you'll probably agree with Calman that maybe the release of Jack Spong, a little bit of a surprise, probably could have offered something to the team, but surely it's got to be a like a, a manager's decision there, or Jack Spong and Calm Davison have sat down and decided it's for the best to part ways, because it's obviously with Sean Welsh joining the club since then, Spong has been relegated to the bench, and there was even that comment after the Wraith Rovers game, wasn't it, where... Calm Davidson said in his interview he wants to see how some players react to perhaps not playing as much or perhaps being asked to change roles and stuff. I think we all kind of read between the lines and thought that may have been a message to Jack Spong and clearly, for whatever reason, Jack Spong's decided it's it's for the best if he moves on. So, I mean, I, it was probably the last notification because I was, I was probably like a lot of people out there sort of sitting refreshing Twitter searching for Queen's Park in the hope that the odd rumour would pop up here and there you know what it's like and and it was very quiet even before these guys even like you know we'd, we'd heard I think most of us had heard the, the Wilson rumours but it wasn't until the um, till the evening before where even Scott Burns who's normally really good with these things was able to uh, share anything about it so um, I think seeing Spong leave the club was probably one of the one of the last bits of news I was expecting to see. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I was somewhat disappointed about it because I think Spong's a good player. I think he's talented. And I think I think he would have been, even you know, even if he's not going to start, then I think he'd have been a really useful player to have and, and bring off the bench. But I think what's probably clear is that Jack Spong came here to, to play football games and to start. And if he's had that conversation with Davidson, where Davidson's maybe said, listen, I can't guarantee you games in the starting 11, maybe Spong said, well, I, I don't want to. But the only thing for me is that, it, you know, does that not set a bit of a precedent? I, I hope there's more to it, right? And I hope, I hope Spong's all right and, and whatever else. And I hope ultimately this works out to be the rest, uh, the right decision for everybody involved. But does that not set a bit of a precedent where even a player, even if it is a case of he's not getting starting football, and Spong's maybe said, well, I don't really want to be here anymore. Is that how it works? Is that how easy it is to get out of your contract with the club? I, I, I'd like to think not. Um, so that that that's what leads me to believe it's probably more our decision than his. Yeah, I'm 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 assuming it must be like a mutually beneficial situation because if we're essentially going to be going down regardless of formation and playing two in midfield at full strength, then you've been Welsh Thompson Turner seems to be sitting in that midfield position. We've obviously brought Carson as well, who I, I think is sort of central midfielder. That's four guys competing alongside Spong, and he is, in my opinion, he's too he's too good to not be playing. And I also don't see him as a like an impact sub. So, is he the guy that you're going to bring on when you're chasing a game or you're trying to hold out a game? I'm not necessarily sure. He seems like a, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that type of player to bring on in the last twenty minutes of a game. So, and also there might have been an element of freeing up wages because. 
I mean, obviously we have no indication of players' salaries, etc. But I mean, given the contract length for for Spong, I think he was was he a couple of years when he signed. I'm he assuming did, that yeah. he was one of our sort of higher end salaries. So maybe to get some of the new guys in, maybe they had to release that, and it just made sense to to reshuffle stuff about and give him the opportunity to go elsewhere. But I think regardless for me, he's he's one of these ones. He at the start of the season had. Uh, well, I think he was our best player for for periods at, at, at the beginning of this season, and I've absolutely no doubt in my mind that he will he will be absolutely fine and and be a very good footballer. Um, he's just I think landed in an unfortunate situation, and that's what we we did kind of talk about this when when Davidson signed. There's always in a there's always a sort of alignment when when the new manager joins a club where some players who you just kind of expect to be in the first eleven, and some players that you don't. That just kind of resets a wee bit. The new manager, new ideas. It's just going to happen. And and Spong's unfortunately been the, I guess, the one that's lost off the back of that, which is a shame for him. But I'm sure he'll be he'll be at a, a new club pronto. Callum McKenna as well. Um, I suppose slightly less expected. We could still be disappointed from uh, our point of view in that he's obviously a fantastically talented goalkeeper who. Only played or only started in, what was it, eight games or something like that. Uh, obviously got injured and then Callum Ferry came back and Callum Ferry's been excellent and therefore Callum hasn't been able to get back in. But with the interest that was in Callum McKenna in the summer, it's perhaps no surprise that the interest continued in the January transfer window. Perhaps slightly surprising that he decided to go with Bournemouth rather than some of the bigger names. I think Manchester United was the one that kept being said that they are definitely after him. But he chose to move to Bournemouth. Uh, again, reportedly, it's a an upfront fee of something like three hundred thousand pounds, and then with add-ons and stuff, it could potentially take it up to seven figures. No matter how much you know, as and as I say, you may want him to be here because he could be a great goalkeeper here. He's got the chance to move to a Premier League club down in England. No doubt, the the salary and everything uh, offered to him personally is going to could potentially be life changing at this moment. But not just that, his future prospects, the, the facilities that will be available to him will be infinitely better than anything we can, unfortunately, offer at this moment in time and perhaps infinitely better than anything else in Scotland. So he goes, certainly with my best wishes, I'm sure everybody listening is saying congratulations to him. It's a great move and we're all very, very hopeful that he uses the uh, the potential and the talent that he has already to kick on and I think I posted it on, on was it on Twitter or was it even somewhere else, but I'm fairly certain that we'll see him back at Hamden in a few years' time, but it'll be a, a navy blue strip he'll be wearing. I think you're right, yeah. I think uh, there's every reason to believe that um <laughs> to believe that McKenna really does have it in him to go all the way. And you, you know, it's you see a lot of young players who you recognise talent and they, they perform really well at this level. But for me, it's just a combination of the confidence, age and downright ability that he's got. And I, I really do believe that this is a guy who who's going to have a phenomenal career in football and I, I wish him all the best. Um, I think I think Bournemouth's probably a good move. I feel as though they're a club that puts a lot of time and effort into youth development these days and, and I think it will work out for the best for him. And, and listen... If that is, if the, the fees that are being reported are true, three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand pound initially, with the potential for that to grow, it's the right thing for the club to do right now. This is this is what we are aiming to achieve, and and it's it's the right time for it to happen. So, um, yeah, I just I, I wish him all the best, and and, and ultimately, I, I think 
I think the club need to, uh, to you know, they, they deserve a bit of credit for for managing to get that amount of money for a young guy. And uh, it's just you have to hope that we can do this again going forward. You know, if we can do this every couple every year or two with with a, a youth player, then then we'll be absolutely fine. A hundred percent. I mean, I'm no way qualified to say whether choosing between Man United or Bournemouth, if they were the two options, is um, is something that I can advise on. But I mean, from the style of football that Bournemouth play, I mean, it sounds logical to me. And I guess he's probably got more of a chance of breaking into a Bournemouth team as a youngster than he would with Manchester United. So it's 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 pretty. I, like I think it's pretty exciting to be honest. It's quite nice as well when. We talk about why we went professional when, as for instance, he's like this. I mean, he's been with us since he was 12, I think it was. And we would not have seen him. I just don't believe we would have seen him if we were not a, a professional football club. He would have probably left a few years ago and and that would have been that. So it's a, it's a great example of, I guess, the what we want to happen playing out. So nah, fair play to him. And I'm pretty sure that all of us will be eagerly watching watching his career because there's there's no one that's left the club that I think's had as such clear top level potential um that I've seen uh, as Callum McKenna. So I, I I truly hope he makes it all the way. And I, that's even comparing it to like Sandy Robertson and stuff like that. I didn't think he would do what he done obviously when, when he left the club. So yeah, finger fingers crossed for him. I'm sure he'll do great. Yeah, definitely. Um, as I say, just reiterate again, all the very best to him, and uh, we're sure that he will uh, kick on and 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 do very well for himself. I suppose, given that we've actually gone into the talking about the transfer window, we should probably ask you, Enzo, for a man of the match the Inverness game. Does that the fact that we've moved on that quickly? Does that perhaps sum up the the, the quality of the game, despite the fact we did get the three points? I think, honestly, I think we had a job to do, and we did it, and that's that's fine by me. I'm, I'm I've said this before, but I get the football is. Football, at the end of the day, is is an entertainment industry. But for me as a fan, I'm entertained by winning. <laughs> I don't yeah, know yeah. how that happens. Um, I don't know that some people prefer to watch certain styles of football and, and would rather see a game that finishes 4-3 or something like that. I'll take a grindy 1-0 where you only have four shots or whatever it was every day of the week if it means that you're coming away with three points. That That is what I personally find entertaining. So um wasn't much of a spectacle, but ultimately I simply do not care. Um, and Man of the Match is a difficult one. I think it's a close call um, between Bannon and Don Thomas. I don't know if some people might disagree with me on this, but I am actually going to give Man of the Match to Don Thomas rather than Alex Bannon. I just thought you know, the goal was massive. His contribution was great. His passion, you know, the, the, the passion when he scored the goal. It just, for me, I, I thought he was probably the, the most important player on the pitch over the, over the 90 minutes. Excellent. Cool. Yeah, you're absolutely bang on as well. We're we're not at a stage where we can complain about performances and 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 everything like that. It's it's get the points. That's what matters first and foremost. So, yeah, um, I'm glad it was still worth the worth the trip, given the the result, Enzo, because it could have been very different for you indeed. So, shall we move on? So, we've actually already started talking about the transfer window. We've uh, talked about the two players going out: Jack Swan, Cal McKenna. A quick review, well, of course, overall, we've, we've already touched on pretty much everybody that's came in. Uh, let's just recap what's happened in January. So it was, it was Calm Haspel from uh, the Highland League from Rothers. You had Mackenzie Cars from Celtic B. And then right at the, the very end of the window, it was the three signings of Joshua Scott from Newcastle, James Crow from Cardiff, and 
Danny Wilson from the Colorado Rapids in the MLS. Now, obviously, that's a quite a big, quite a big name. Definitely the biggest one of the window. But he's not a guy that we've seen a lot of ourselves in Scottish football, obviously, for the last five or six years now. So, we actually got in touch with the Holding the Highline podcast, which is Colorado Rapids fan uh, fan run podcast. And we, or I had the chance to speak to Matt Pollard from that podcast to find out a little bit about what his thoughts are on uh, Danny Wilson, on his time in America, and to find out if he'll continue to follow him uh, as he's joined Queen's Park, which it certainly sounds like he will. So coming up here right now is a wee 15-minute chat with uh, Matt Pollard. I am delighted to say that I'm being joined right now by Matt Pollard from the Holding the Highline podcast, which is the, uh, I believe it's the longest running Colorado Rapids podcast as well. So uh, I want to thank you for taking some time coming to speak to us and fill us in a little bit, as I say, on the recent years of Danny Wilson. First things first, appreciate you joining me as an early start for yourself around about quarter past nine, 20 past nine in the morning just now. Uh, I say thank you for joining me and how are you doing, Matt? David, thank you for having me. Really fantastic. We just got some snow overnight. And it's funny you mention uh, Holding the Highland recorded its first episode January 30th. So we just celebrated our sixth birthday. So we've been podcasting as long as Danny Wilson was with the Rapids. And you did tell me that when, uh, just before we hit record, we had a quick chat there. And you did admit that you are something of uh, your, your podcast and yourself certainly as well. Maybe members number one of the Danny Wilson fan club from his time at Colorado. You are uh, a big fan of his and perhaps quite disappointed to see him go. Uh, Danny Wilson, apologist, certainly. I, I think it was time, ultimately, you know, he was getting a little bit long in the tooth. He's 32 years old now, and the Rapids had a really terrible season. He was not particularly good this past year, but nobody had a good season on the team. Danny made a, a funny joke about that a few years ago when they had another really bad year. But, you know, I, I think it was time. He's got a young family. I think they were always going back to Scotland. So if he could have a soft landing spot and not too far away from where he cut his teeth uh, elsewhere in Glasgow, I, I think the, the timing was right. So thanks for the memories and good luck. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's time for both parties to move on. As you say, obviously, 2018 it was when he joined Colorado. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you recall going back. Was it something of a surprise, maybe going and getting him? Obviously, he'd kind of he'd been around Scottish football predominantly. Obviously, had a, a little bit of time at Liverpool as well, although didn't make too many appearances for them. So, predominantly a, a Scottish Premiership player. When he joined, um, sort of, I'd say first things first. Do you recall the the kind of feeling around the, the the time that he signed? Was it something of a like a marquee signing? Do you think for Colorado at the time, or were you still maybe just a little bit skeptical uh, about what he could what he could give the club? I thought it was a big signing at the time. You know, you think about it. You know, I'm now more interested in Scottish football because there's a few other Scotsmen who passed through Commerce City, Colorado. But certainly, you know, coming from the two big clubs, everybody, no matter how much they follow Scottish football, knows are Rangers and Celtic. And so, obviously, coming from Rangers, there was an interest in seeing what he could do. And the team at the time, similarly, was in a rebuild, and they were looking for center backs who were going to be good passers out of the back. And so, immediately, regardless of the other faults that Danny Wilson had as a player he gets the ball with you know five ten yards of space you know on that left foot and everything you know and there's a fullback overlapping or a winger who's coming into space and everything he usually finds them and that led to some exciting attacking moments for the club that style of play sounds like he may fit in very well with what Queen's Park are are trying to do this season again we're a, a team that do 
there is a little, obviously going under a little bit of change with a new manager and Callum Davidson coming to us, but I think the, the overriding philosophy is playing football from the defence, or defence, should I say, sorry, is that better for you? But playing from the back, up through, and yeah, it starts with those defenders making those passes and overlapping fullbacks. Sounds like it could be um, exactly what he's after. It could be a very good match. Um, it's time in Colorado, so it's about 100 and, around about 130 games, I believe, total played. Uh, 138, according to Wikipedia, just the five goals. So he's certainly doing more of his work at the back than uh, perhaps going forward. But in those five years, uh, how would you, as you say, a Danny Wilson <coughs> apologist, you've mentioned there's maybe some flaws there, but how would you have summed up his time at uh, Colorado? You've also mentioned to me as well that you do think he's, he's something of a leader in the, in the team and, and in the squad there. So how, how would you sum up, obviously, that time with Colorado? A very good passer out of the back. He's a very good organizer of the defense, particularly when young center backs were around him. Uh, he was one of the mentors to Austin Trusty, who's now cutting his teeth in the premiership with, um, with, uh, with Blades. But fundamentally, his two biggest weaknesses are he's not particularly fast. He didn't get faster in those five years with the Rapids. I don't think he'll get much faster at Queens Park. And he wasn't a great 1v1 defender, particularly when playing against other fast players. MLS is a weird league. You know, it's kind of hard to, it's a lot of workmen like cheaper defenders. And when you're having to go up against Zlatan and Wayne Rooney and uh, the Rapids didn't play Inter Miami, so they didn't have to play against Messi. The, the caliber of the attack that Danny Wilson was going up against regularly are players who, if they played in Scotland, only would have played for Celtic or Rangers. So uh, that kind of skews the numbers a little bit. But fundamentally, when he was put in a position to succeed, when the team around him was built in a way to where he didn't have to defend 1v1 or they didn't have to deal with a lot of counterattacks, he was a very, very good center back for a team that finished top of their conference in 2021. And he was one of the very good underrated leaders on that team that led to success for the club. And I, just to reiterate, you made that point there about how he he was that mentor to a young player that's obviously gone on and got a big move down into the English Premier League. Now, that is definitely going to be one of the, the, the key things he's required to do at Queen's Park. As I was saying to you, I think our average squad age is about 20, maybe slightly more now with him and, and Sean Welsh, who's another older player, came in in this January transfer window. But our, so our average age in our squad is still the lowest in the league by far. So you think that... Maybe there's yeah, there's certainly pros to his game, but there's perhaps cons <laughs> as well. Of course, the pace and things like that, which we understand when you're gonna, you know, you're gonna recruit a, a 32 year old defender. But do you think that perhaps that mentor ability <clears throat> and and guiding these young players through that could be the biggest asset that he brings to a club like Queens Park? I think certainly um, he did a very good job with some of the young center backs that the club had on the team. And kind of ironically, he kind of he worked his way into being replaced. There's another young center back who just uh, got his appearance with the Canadian men's national team, Moise Bombito, and uh, Danny Wilson played alongside him. And there's a few other. The Rapids have gotten very, very young at the center back position. There's one Scandinavian guy and everyone else is 23 or younger for the most part. And I have no doubt that the Rapids improved defense this year will be on those young center backs stepping in into that role and kind of ironically them replacing Danny Wilson because of how good of mentor Danny Wilson was. He got along with other center backs even when he was dropped from the squad for them or anything. So he's definitely, he's a, a team first kind of player. I remember him joking with me one time saying that if he was asked to go in goal because it was necessary, he would absolutely. So he's a top class professional in that regard and he's going to be there, you know, first and foremostly for the team. And if that's by mentoring a young center back who replaces him, then he's not going to be a problem in the dressing room when that happens. 
138 games say, for Colorado Rapids. Is there any particular standout moments <clears throat> on the park, whether it was one of those five goals? Were there any big game-winning moments or anything? Do you, is there any sort of particular memory that does stand out for you for Danny Wilson? Uh, there's two for me. Um, one was in kind of ironically the biggest game that I think the club played in our his, in its history. Uh, I don't know how much your listeners know. We have the regular season, then we have the playoffs to win MLS Cup. And so when the Rapids had that really good regular season, they ended up hosting a game on American Thanksgiving, and they ended up losing one nil to Portland Timbers, who went on to host and lose the final. But Wilson, there were a few moments in there where Portland really responded back from a run of play, and Danny had a very good clearance off the line that would have won the match certainly. Um, in terms of the five goals that he scored, this would have been, I think, also in the 2021 season. The Rapids came out. Um, they were down, I think it was 2-0 at halftime or it was 2-0 in the first half to Minnesota United. Wilson was at fault for one of the goals that was conceded, and they come back dramatically. They win 3-2. The club was very, very good on set pieces that year and historically over the course of Danny's time at the club. And Jack Price, who was the captain, who was, the best, uh, who was his best friend on the team, whips in the cross. Danny Wilson, you know, muscles off the best center back for uh, that you know is marking him and everything and he heads the ball in knee slide awkwardly because he's a center back and he doesn't score a lot of goals and then after the game Jack Price who um, is from uh, Shropshire and so he has a similar accent that people have trouble with uh, one of the social media staff for the clubs is Phil is getting onto the field and filming walking through all of the players and their reaction and uh, Jack Price kind of exasperated, you know, just says, you know, Danny Wilson, the Scottish Salmon again. And that became a, a meme for the team and almost his nickname, despite him not really liking it. Uh, you know, he leaps up like a <laughs> Scottish Salmon and puts the ball in the net place, as Danny Wilson and Jack Price would have said. So, uh, you know, if you if you walk in and the supporters start chanting Scottish Salmon when he scores his first goal, he'll think, oh, God, somebody spoke to the Rapids fans on that one. So uh, those are the two moments that stand out for me. And they, you know, exemplify who he is as a player he's hardworking, unremarkable and tries to be as consistent as he can and when something goes really right and everything you know you couldn't be happy for him yeah that's that's a, a good nickname to start with maybe we may well come up with one of our own but I think we'll have to as you say if that's to at least maybe even <coughs> not annoy him but in a good way we'll maybe have to use that to begin with just to just to let him know that we've done a little bit of our research and yeah we do know a little bit about him um I suppose, say, let's just, uh, uh, one more question just about, so you, you have already mentioned that you thought perhaps it just was his time. Um, you've also covered that there's younger players coming through. Even still with that, are you still, is there a part of you that is still disappointed that a player like that's left? You clearly, obviously with yourself, you, you were a fan anyway, but a, a player that was perhaps very popular with, I don't know, the majority of fans, as I say, was, was he a popular player there? Is it, when the news was announced that he was uh, released from Colorado, was it, a, was, it, was it a bit of a sadness and, you know, was that a thanks for the memories thing rather than I'm glad he's gone? Uh, it was it was a mixed result from that standpoint, but the key thing for me that I think stood out again, Danny Wilson apologist. I would push back on you know other fans that weren't backing him or thought that he needed to be traded or benched certainly and everything, and even the fans who were critical of him or didn't like his performances or you know pointed out you know they were the first to point out his weaknesses when he got beat 1v1 or when he was slow to react or anything or he made a mistake on a goal or anything just the the, the appreciation he got his flowers posthumously 
in that regard. And even the Danny Wilson haters were like, you know what? Like you were better than, you know, he, he went out there for five years. He worked really hard. He took a lot of criticism for the fans or anything, never really complained. You know, he was the, he was a player that we could appreciate. So certainly, you know, in that regard, a bittersweet moment for me. And I think even a bittersweet moment for a lot of the supporters who certainly, you know, thought less of him, but you know, it, it was time to move on. And I can tell you that there will be, you know, on, on the FOT mob and on the various apps where we're able to keep track of Scottish football because outside of Celtic and Rangers, it's really hard to get games or anything. Uh, Rapid supporters will be following Motherwell the rest of the season. Sam Nicholson, another Scottish player, left for them. And I can guarantee you, if I were to poll right now on Twitter, every single Rapids fan is absolutely rooting for Queen's Park to stay up. And if Danny Wilson scores a goal in a 3-2 comeback where he gave up the first goal and goes Scottish Salmon on the final day to keep you up and everything, we'll be like, get in. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's great to hear that there'll be some more fans across the pond. You're right, it may be slightly difficult to uh, to watch some of our games, unfortunately, but, well, we've got each other on Twitter now. We'll be posting when all the games are available. Think some of the games do get shown on, um, on one of the, the BBC channels on the national broadcaster, so you may well be able to find that online. But, uh, yeah, great to hear that we'll have some more fans there. Finally, let, let me indulge a little bit, obviously, for yourself, as you say, a, a long-time Colorado <coughs> podcaster. You are deep in the middle of the... The, the pre-season for the next season starting and is it March or, or April time that the new MLS season will start? There's obviously been a little bit of a, a turnover in the sta- in the in the playing squad. Is there even a change in management or anything like that? How how do you think Colorado perhaps looking going into their season here? Yeah, so we actually uh, we open up later this month on February 24th, ironically, at Portland Timbers, who beat us in uh, the Thanksgiving game, Pidsgiving. So uh, we'll be looking to get some revenge in that one. But no, there's certainly a lot of excitement. The club spent way more money than they used to. Obviously, new manager who's come in. And I think initially we supporters were really underwhelmed with his arrival. But, uh, you know, he's, he's come in. He's, he's shown up to the bars and everything. He shook a few hands, taken some pictures. And he's won over, certainly, uh, most of the fans and some of the players. We brought in a few Americans coming back from Europe, Jordi Mihailovic and Zach Steffen and Sam Vines from Belgium, the Netherlands and, uh, you know, in Manchester City. So um, hoping that we're going to be a better squad, certainly a younger squad. So maybe in a, a similar situation to Queen's Park in that regard, where we're hoping to, you know, come on the up, a few veterans, a few younger players, you know, trying to get uh, the full jigsaw to assemble and just hoping for, you know, less of a, a miserable season. There was a lot of discourse about the manager and the front office this past season and whether or not they were doing a good job. There's a lot of frustration with ownership and so far everybody's at least where, you know, to use the Colorado Rapid analogy, I suppose, everybody appears to be rowing in the in the right direction. If we get a 1-0 win at Portland, great. If we lose 3-0 in Cascadia, as the Rapids often do, then you know, we'll be back to, you know, uh, being disappointed again. So um, hope springs eternal, hoping that happens for, you know, for Queens Park and, you know, come on the Rapids. And I'm sure Danny Wilson at this point already hates the bully we. <laughs> Great to hear. Great to hear. I'm sure he certainly does. Matt, I want to thank you for, for taking this time, giving us, as I say, a little bit of uh, insight into to Danny's time at, at Colorado. And, well, again, thank you for that. Wish you and Colorado as well all the best for, for your season ahead. Thank you. Come on, you spiders. So just once again, thank you to Matt from the Holden Highline podcast. They'll also be tagged on uh, on our Twitter page, so you can go and give them a wee a wee follow if you'd like to as well. Uh, he, um, Andrew, I think caught caught us out with uh, actually known known a, a little bit about Queens Park a lot more than I thought he would. He's obviously clearly going to take an interest. He's already reading up on the rivalries and everything as well. Uh, he's, uh, he seems right into it. 
I know, and it's good to know that Danny Wilson hates Clyde as much as I do. That's that's uh, one of the, the key values that I, that I look for in players that we sign. <laughs> but uh, no, listen, it's, it's it's a good bit of insight. I, I'll be honest with you, right? I don't think I've ever watched MLS in my life. It's not it's not a league that I've ever really uh, followed, and, and I don't know too much about it. And I, I don't know, you know, how it compares to the standard of Scottish football, or whatever. So it's good to get the perspective of someone who's. Uh, far more familiar with the guys who've been playing out there than, than what we are, and, and and I'm sure people will find that interesting. And it's quite ironic, David, given that you've got linkages since you've been out to see Colorado well, as well. So there's a I bit of, a bit of coincidence there. I know it's good. I, I I spent a wee bit of time. I, my dad used to live out there and been to a couple of Colorado games years and years ago. And he, the um, Matt took a screenshot. I actually have an old Colorado top uh, hidden away in my drawer, which I bought at the game. Like a lot of American jerseys, Ed, you're into your American sports as well, so you know this, when you buy the legit ones they are not cheap, and even for the football top as well, I do recall that being pretty expensive as well, but still got it he was a, a big fan of that, it was good to, yeah, just to use that little linkage, I don't think I've had that reference in, in a number of years, so uh, yeah, that was, um, it was brilliant, a great chat with him, and I'm sure we'll probably keep in touch and find, he'll, he'll uh, get as much information on how Danny Wilson's uh, doing as we can possibly give him I've got one little, we uh, try and get a little bit of trivia about this because it was something we spoke about and I did see somebody posted up in Payam Bovril as well. So we were trying to think who was the last player who was capped and then joined Queen's Park? Because of course Danny Wilson has a few Scotland caps from back in, when was that now? That was a good few years ago, I need to double check the year now. But he's then joined Queen's Park. Now, of course, if you're just looking at any country, well, recently... Of course, he had Stephen Eze, but he was capped for Nigeria. But that was that, like they do the it's the African Championship and African Nations Championship, which is the national teams, but it can only be domestic players. So it's not like the the best of the best. It's I mean, just that explains so much. Domestic, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It does explain a little bit about it. But um, so I was like, do we count that or not? Maybe I don't know. You obviously had, uh, well, Cammy Bell, but he never kicked a ball for Queen's Park, so we can't really count him. Michael McGlinchey, uh, that was in the, was that the League 2 season, wasn't it? He joined Queen's Park. Um, but again, that's, Yeah, he played a handful of games, but that was also New Zealand. So I did go back and I did try and have a little look and see who was the last player that was capped for Scotland and then joined Queen's Park. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it was almost impossible to figure that out because I think you were really going back about a hundred years, and it's going back to the time where <laughs> Queens Park still had like the some of the best of the best players playing just on amateur terms. Obviously, football was a totally different landscape then. I did find uh, a player, Billy Neal, who was a defender at Queens Park. He joined Queens Park in 1961, but in 19 so he actually joined from Airdrie in 1961 but in 1960 he was called up to the Great Britain Olympics team so again not not a international cap for like Scotland but that's still I thought that was something that you know a guy of that caliber called up to the played in the Olympics in 1960 then joined Queen's Park I do have another um another one another player just not Scottish based but just one that I found that I thought was quite interesting just never never seen this name before obviously just thought I'd raise it it is Mustafa Kamal Mansour. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with yeah, Mustafa. You know this one, yeah. So he he was um, a goalkeeper for Egypt, and he played in the 1934 World Cup. Now, it was only one game. The, the World Cup was a, a knockout competition back then, so 
The first game they lost 4-2 to Italy. and Or was it in Italy, rather? I can't recall. I think it may have been in Italy. But there was uh, he's got some comments online of believing that the referees were perhaps a little bit biased towards their opponents. I think it may have been Hungary. So, um, yeah, he was not very happy at that. But that was 1934. Now, the manager of the Egyptian national team was actually a Scotsman at the time and encouraged them to come to Scotland to actually just live. And I think he was doing something at a college. But then he joined Queen's Park in 1937 and played for two years and was a pretty pretty respected uh, uh, goalkeeper in those two years playing for Queen's Park. So that's that's a, a kind of interesting name from the archives. That's like kind of the best story that I could find. But the long, long way around about it is Danny Wilson may be the first man in over 100 years to join Queen's Park, having been capped for his national or for Scotland. It's incredible, isn't it? I would never have... I would have, I would have assumed at some point over the years there must have been somebody who had picked up one random cap and then in their late 30s or something signed an amateur contract for a year here or there to, to come and play for us. The fact that you're going back that long for somebody who with a you know with a full Scotland cap is is wild and that just shows you how significant this signing is, I suppose. I I'm the same as you, Enzo. I honestly I thought there would have been some randomer at some point who tail end of their career, but I guess I guess it is quite a it's quite a drop, isn't it, coming from international caps to the sort of League Two, etc., where we've resided for such a a long period of time. And I guess, given the the general attempted ethos of the club, it tends to be first steps for for the good players that that come through Queens, isn't it, rather than the the latter end of it, because you're not going to be coming here for a payday until recently. So, no, it's um, I good trivia. I liked that. I enjoyed the the Mustafa Mansour one as well. I didn't know that. And how did you know that, Enzo? believe at some point, and I'm probably going back 15 plus years ago, I'm sure there was a wee piece in the programme about him, um, or maybe maybe there was a piece about him in, in one of these kind of books about the history of the club, I can't, I can't specifically remember, but I, I, I was actually familiar with that story. I will say that was um, it was some pretty rough homework done on like again it's the transfer marked website which I, I use quite a lot now. There's a lot of gaps there. Maybe somebody out there with uh, maybe a little bit more uh, familiar with Queens Park history and, and statistics and things like that may well have somebody more recently. But as I, I think that we're going back an awful long time there. But yeah, a little bit of interesting information there. Some some names you you maybe well apart from Enzo who clearly knows everything some interesting names for us there Calm to to get a little bit of knowledge here. so uh, <laughs> so um but yeah that was that was that so that that rounds off as a looking at the the transfer window of course you can still loan players during february can't you i don't know if i don't know if it's the end of the month or if it cuts off at a certain point there may well still be some activity you don't know um but so far we seem pretty happy with what we've got now so We'll see how we kick on and we'll talk about the upcoming game shortly after we just recap a couple of other uh, Queen's Park results, starting with uh, last Tuesday, you had Queen's Park B taking on Dunfermline in the Reserve League. It was a 1-0 victory for Queen's Park. It was Kane Thompson with the only goal of the game. Uh, It was a closed-door game, but a couple of little uh, Spiders Talk sources gave us a little bit of information about it. and. I think we'd heard as well that Calm Haspel, who of course is one of those new players, seemed to put in a, a pretty assured performance. Now again, it's the Reserve League. I mean, how much can you take from it? Things like that. But I suppose it's still good news, isn't it, that, that you hear that a new player like that and a player that we honestly don't know anything about 
did put in an assured game or an assured performance against Dunfermline. It was a strange signing for me, I thought, to be honest. I thought, you know, if he was a youth prospect, they'd have probably brought him in on an 18-month contract or so. But I suppose it's the opportunity for him to prove that he, uh, he deserves something a bit longer term. And uh, listen, he's a 20-year-old centre-half. See if he's if he's got it in him to step up and um, be someone to fill that gap, then I, I'm all for it. So, so fingers crossed he continues developing and looking good. Aye, and if if, there's, if they see these guys who they think are good and can provide his value in the next few years, then 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 go for it because he might not be ready for this season. But if he has a good half season in the reserves and a good summer, then maybe it's someday that he can step into the team next year. You never know. So no, it's it's good to see that he's off to a good start. It definitely is. And the other game to talk about, you had Queen's Park women were playing uh, Sunday afternoon in the Scottish Cup against Partick Thistle. It was a 3-1 defeat for Queen's Park, so they do exit the the Scottish Cup at this time. Um, it was Ella Kane scored the equaliser for Queen's Park, but of course they eventually went down 3-1 to um, to Brian Graham's Partick Thistle. But probably a good test for them. We spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Thistle are, I think, top half of the SWPL 1, aren't they? Which, of course, Queen's Park are looking to get into next year. So perhaps a good test. So hopefully they learned a little bit something about their opponents and they know what perhaps may be needed for next season should they go on and, of course, get promoted. But, unfortunately, we'll be disappointed that they've exited the Scottish Cup today, won't it? As you say, it's a good test. This are doing really well. They're, they're putting a lot of time and effort into the development of their women's team, like a lot of clubs across the country are, and it's it's always really good to see. And, and, and you know, I feel as though we're going down that route too, and, and they'll be back next season. Fingers crossed they'll be playing against them a bit more regularly next season as well with, uh, with promotion looking... Looking at a decent possibility now, so um, I'm sure I'm sure they won't be too disappointed. So let's move on and let's talk about the upcoming game for Queens Park, the men's team, and it should be this Saturday up against Dunfermline. But as we all know, this is the third attempt at trying to play this game, and given the the state of Dunfermline, as I said right back at the very beginning of the episode, given the the state that they're in right now, <laughs> they might well be trying everything possible to get this game called off. They are coming into this game on the back of a 5-0 hiding off of Morton. 5-0 at home as well. Um, and you guys both commented, having watched some of the highlights back, that the defending was comical at times for them. I say, I'm not over, I'm not familiar with like the, the lineup that they had, but we were talking about it just before we started recording. Was it yourself, Calm, that said that it looked like this was actually with their new signings as well? So this looks like it could be the Dunfermline team after the transfer window, not necessarily struggling with injury or as many injuries and things they had before a little bit stronger and they're still looking they're still looking relatively uh, or seriously in trouble yeah so i don't know if you've seen the the clip that's been surfacing on twitter that someone posted of two of the goals which which dunfermline conceded to morton and they are like genuinely comical and you'll notice two of the the center backs who are involved in that that is their their new signings so um, two guys from I think it's Cardiff that they've got them from, but it's it's another one of these ones where they've taken them from the youth teams as as we tend to do a lot of the time as well. So always going to be questionable, but um, yeah, so that that that's positive. And I think I think they're um, is it is it White Whiten that they play up front? He got injured I think during the game as well. He was taken off. Well, I'm assuming he got injured because he was taken off early in the match. So questionable again. What what their lineup's going to be next week? Which can only be positive for us, and I mean, this is this is a riskiest situation as all because I'm not I'm not going to lie, I am supremely confident, and that is that is a scary place to be. 
think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jakubi should be back this week as well. But to be honest with you, he I was honking. Well, he that's was so bad. I don't particularly rate Jakubi, so I don't, you know, I, I don't see him as that much of a threat if he is back. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, brilliant. If these if these young guys that they've brought in at the back are absolutely terrible, and that's fantastic for us. I hope that you know, long may it continue. That's that's exactly what we need. And uh, it's it's always a risk when when you bring in these young guys that haven't really played uh, any senior football before, and sometimes it pays off. More often than not, I, I don't think it does. I was really surprised that they are transfer window there to be honest I know that they have these German investors but the overall kind of feeling seems to be from Pars fans that they, they, they simply don't do enough um, and I don't know what their end goal is with the club but they, they really don't put all that much money, money into them um, not sure if McPake's maybe a little bit out of his depth in, in a kind of relegation battle as well I, I don't know don't think he has a, a hell of a lot to work with but honestly if they're if they're going to you know, carry on the rate they are, then, then, then I'm all for it because we need somebody else to, to finish ninth so that we don't. Yeah, and they're, they're definitely coming back into this fight. The the league table currently looks like uh, you've got Queen's Park on uh, 23 points in ninth place. Dunfermline and Inverness are both on 24 points, but Dunfermline have played a game less than us, Inverness have played a game more than us at this moment in time. So you get the two of them and seventh and eighth uh, split apart on goal difference. Ayr are then just three points ahead of us, again having played a game more than us on twenty six points. So, especially with this weekend, uh, it is the the cup weekend. So I believe we are the only championship game, aren't we, uh, that are on? So if we win, you could be looking at us jumping all the way up to um, sit level with Ayr, which could be joint sixth place. And we're not away, we're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but just again seeing us moving right up into the middle of the league table. Again, we talked about it last season, it's the psychological boost that it should give you seeing stuff like that, shouldn't it? Getting away from ninth place, getting away from the bottom of the table, it would it would be absolutely brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah, and momentum is so, so massive. If you look at like the trajectory of our team right now with... A few on paper, obviously all of this is conjecture at this point until we see everybody play because obviously McKinstry, for example, had incredibly high hopes and it's not really turning out that way so far. But on paper, we've made a few decent signings, new manager, clear a change in direction in terms of the style of play. You'd like to think that we've had our tragic patch of the season by not winning for like 139 days. And other teams are maybe falling into it a wee bit. I mean, our broth, you're kind of, I guess we're all hoping are, are just doomed to, to 10th place. That's what we're hoping. And I mean, Dunfermline getting dragged in the air, still not in the best of form. Inverness still got some convincing to do after Duncan Ferguson's, I think, honeymoon period is is over. I, in fact, wait, did we did we talk about how hilarious his interview was after the game? Oh, just, just, we, did, we didn't actually know. No, we didn't. I, I think we talked about it before we started the recording, but if, if anybody's who's listened to this hasn't watched his interview, go and have go and have a wee listen to it if you want to hear a, a very, very bitter, bitter man, because it was the, the classic full dominant performance from Inverness, blah, 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 blah. Didn't he seemed entirely, yeah, didn't deserve to lose. Told we were far, far the better blah, blah, side. Blah, blah. You can see that he's just absolutely furious, and that's just, I love that. Honestly, I love that. It just makes me, it just makes me so happy. I actually sat and watched that on the uh, on the train last night, and I was I was sitting laughing out loud to myself with, with the other people around me. They must have thought I was going daft, but it was just hilarious. Brilliant. Aye, it was it was tremendous. I definitely definitely recommend going and watching it. 
But I, I, I totally agree. I mean, you get a few more wins off the back of this and suddenly you're in a, a totally different headspace. So, aye, chances, chances. We yeah. have now won, what, three of our last four games? If we had gone in, you know, gone into that Dunfermline game on the, what was that? Was that a Friday night? I was, I, yeah, uh, in January, yeah. And, and, and if I had asked you, we're going to win three of our next four games, would you be happy with that? Knowing that those three games included Wraith away and Inverness away, arguably two of the harder away games in the whole division right now. I mean, I'd, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'd absolutely bet somebody. In fact, I'd have thought somebody was daft if they, if they said that that was going to happen. I, I would never have believed that. So despite how frustrating the air game was, the fact that we are still in a pretty all right position, the fact that the players bounce back from that as well to go up to Inverness and get the win there, I'm feeling cautiously optimistic about how the rest of the season is going to go. Yeah, and the context of their game is important because when we scored that goal, we were more than on the up foot at that point. And obviously the sending off changed the game, but I think I think we would have potentially been on for some points in that game as well, whether it was a draw or a win, who knows? So... Aye, it's um, it's good. It's good. It's what we we desperately needed. And full credit to Davidson. I've been quite impressed with his interviews and stuff like that after the game. He just seems, I don't know how to describe him, sort of pragmatic, calm, and he just seems like he'll make some pretty sensible decisions. And I think that's really all this squad needs. I think there is enough talent in this team where they should just beat enough teams to not get relegated more than anything. And if that's all that we get out of this season at this point, I will bite your hand off for it. Yeah, I've I've said a couple of times actually in a uh, in a group chat with some of the Queens Park guys that I reckon if we were to secure eighth place this season, I might celebrate that more than the Airdrie playoff win a couple of years ago. I reckon it could be it could be that massive. It would feel that massive, especially after the first half, uh, the first half of this year, which was. Um, Difficult to say the very least. In terms of this Saturday, then, in terms of the actual Queen's Park squad, obviously we do have these new faces coming in. Um, Joshua Scott came on and made a, a pretty good impression uh, up in Inverness there. We still hope for maybe a Danny Wilson sighting. As I think it may just be a little bit too soon. He'll, be, he'll probably be getting himself ready. It might take him a couple of weeks. But, I mean, if he's available, probably want him coming in. Is there any, Enzo Cena's go to you first, as you were up there in Inverness, is there any other changes you would be perhaps looking to make, given uh, or on the back of the Inverness result? Or do you think keep it keep it the same and, and see how it goes? Obviously, there was a big decision with like Will Tizard going in as well. Do you think he's done enough to keep his place? I think he has. I think, uh, I think it would be difficult to change too much. I, I wonder, by the way, with Wilson, right, See, I don't think we would have signed him if he was so unfit that he couldn't even be on the bench on Saturday there. I have a feeling it might have been related to registration or something like that. Like maybe It'd that one. Possibly, yeah. Um, and if that's the case, I would expect him to at least be in the squad against Infermline. But um, other than that, the only the only question mark potentially is did James uh, did Scott do enough to, to, to merit potentially slotting straight in um, on, on Saturday ahead of Cammy Bruce or Robson or whoever else it may be. Not sure. That's obviously one for um, one for Davidson to decide. I think the squad will be the same. I think the starting lineup will be the same with either Wilson on the bench or potentially even starting. Hmm. Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Wilson go in to the squad if I'm honest. I can't. There's no way that we've signed him not to play. Exactly. In my opinion. So if he's if he's fit, I. I think it would be harsh, if I'm honest. If you, I can only go really from what you've been saying, Enzo. But 
Bannon and Tizard sound like they've had a good game, but I would be genuinely, genuinely surprised if if we didn't sign Wilson and put him in as soon as he was as soon as he was ready. As for the rest of the signings, I don't think I would really expect any of them to start. I can imagine well, I would assume it must be Turner that's going to get dropped for, for Welsh because you're not going to drop Jack Thompson. I mean, you bring Welsh in, you bring Wilson in, Thompson in midfield. I guess the only other question mark for me is McKinstry. Who 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 do you play there? Because if he's not had the best of games, who are you, who really you replacing him with? I thought he was really poor, and I think you probably would replace him. To be honest with you, I'm not sure how you would do that. Um, but I think that could be Turner potentially. Potentially, yeah. Potentially, I, I, I don't think Turner is a, a sort of centre or deep sitting midfielder at all. I mean, we, we he did this at the start of the season and he wasn't particularly effective. And then as they pushed him further up the pitch, you, you suddenly got a, a really good goal to turn from him as yep, well. Right. So I wouldn't be unhappy to see him starting there. I agree. Yeah, I'd be I'd be fine with that as well. I don't think McKinstry put it this way. McKinstry for me didn't do enough to. Uh, and I, I, this didn't even cross my mind when I was thinking about what I'd want to do because I'd honestly forgotten that he started. That probably says a lot about his performance. Um, it, I don't think he did enough to justify keeping him in the starting eleven against the Finland, unless maybe Davidson just thought, you know, it's, it's, we've got a settled team, did well, go down there. That's a team that's you know leaking goals right now. Maybe a game like that is good for his confidence. If he, if he can get a good run at them and, and maybe even score or set a couple up or whatever, who knows? Yeah, I suppose that's one position that... Do, now do we perhaps have not not many options or not as many options? Obviously, we got rid of Barry Hepburn and really other um, winger options. We don't really have too many. If, if he's going to change that, as you said, it may have been like a 5-2-3 formation. I suppose at left wing, especially with like Aaron Healy going out on loan as well, maybe a few few options to choose from if, if McKinstry's not going to not going to perform. So yeah, I think it could be you might see Turner going out there, which did did reap some rewards earlier on in the season in, in that kind of more advanced position up uh, further up the park. So yeah, we'll see what happens. But aside from that, I think based on everything else that you said, would say it could be more of the same uh, in the in the starting eleven. Will it be can more I, of the same? In, oh, sorry, you go. Can I, can I just very quickly mention, because you, you mentioned Aaron Healy there, by the way, I read, mm. I know Dumbarton lost to Stenhouse Muir, who have beaten everybody. They've basically won that league already. They're about 15 points clear or something. Um, read some comments from some Dumbarton fans, said uh, Healy, had a, Healy had a pretty good debut for them. Um, wasn't scared to you know to take a man on, and, and they agreed that it was maybe a little bit lightweight, but I think the, the overall impression was that it was a, a really, really good first game. So, fingers crossed he can kick on a bit there. I hope he does well, by the way, because when he when he joined us initially, I know he came into the team in difficult circumstances, but that that description that you gave me there, Enzo, was exactly my reflections on him as well. He was pretty direct, he liked running at guys, and he was he was pretty confident with it. I think it's always just going to be the size thing and whether he can sort of be effective without bulking up too much. I guess it's it's a tricky one, but fingers crossed he gets a good run there because I think we signed him on a pretty lengthy contract, didn't we? Yeah, it's like three and a half years or something like that, wasn't it? It was a yeah. it was a long one. So, yeah, it's good to hear that you got a, a good debut. I think we might have to start doing a loan watch because obviously Herity was out on loan as well at Annan. Did he start again at the weekend there? I'm not 100% on that, but he did start the very first game after he was announced being out there, so maybe he's the new starting keeper. Um, yeah, we'll need, to, we'll need to get on that as well as a weekly update also. But as I say, we hope for a relatively same start 11 and... 
Callum, I think you'll be hoping for a sa- the the same scoreline because if you do our do our predictions and our latest update, yes, gladly, gladly. So I mean, it was quite surprisingly, none of us had none of us had Dom Thomas as first goal scorer, which happens practically every single week. <laughs> um, so I had Peyton as first goal scorer. David, you had Thompson. Enzo, you had Robson. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so so no no points on that front, but I got the correct score, so that's an additional two for me. I had one nil. David, you had three two. Enzo, you had two one. So that does impact the standings. That means that David, you are on eighteen points. I'm on twenty points, and Enzo, you are also on twenty points. So I am now, now joint joint top with you. So David, hey, yeah. you. Was can, that? I just, can I go before you since I've not had the opportunity to do that in a long time? I was going to graciously let you do that. Thank I, you. I appreciate the... I appreciate yeah. the um, you've I'm, I'm you've nice removed Calm's like moment of glory there to, to give up, give that position up to you there, and so he's taking that away from him. Um, I'll, uh, well, I will be going first, and I tell you what, I'm going to take 2-1 Queen's... Uh, 2-1? No, Dunfermline are, are absolutely mint, certainly. 2-0. 2-0 Queen's Park. I was going cool. to take two one because I think when you look at our recent results, I think three of the last is it three of the last four games? No, two of the last three games have been two one. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take two 0 because they looked miserable. It's going to be Rudy Payton, and I'm going to take Jack Turner. I think maybe if he gets further up the park, he'll get back on the score sheet. So Payton and Turner for me. All right, cool. Enzo. Dino, actually, and I'm going to take Dom Thomas as the first scorer, um, and then Peyton with another two. I think he had a pretty good scoring record against Dunfermline in League One last season, so I, I might be wrong, but I'm sure I read that somewhere, so I have a feeling he might, he might get back to that form on Saturday, because I really do think, I, I mean, I thought they looked absolutely shocking in those highlights that I saw, and I think this is an opportunity for us to hopefully maybe control a game a wee bit more and just just go through somebody. I'd love that. It would be nice. It would be nice. I'm going to go for, for 3-1 Queens because I mean, we were pretty comfortable against Dunfermline the last time we still managed to concede a goal, so I'm going to go for 3-1. I was thinking Turner first goal scorer, but I've got the fear that he's actually just dropped. I don't know how he's going to set up and whether he's going to put Turner in on the assumption that, that Welsh and Thompson are in midfield, so I will go for who will I go for then? I'll go for Thompson, Peyton, and a Thompson, Peyton, and a Bannon header. All right, lovely stuff. Um, we are the only championship game on next week. It is a Scottish Cup weekend. You've got Morton on the telly on the the Friday night up against Motherwell, which. I don't know if I don't know if that's for potential for uh, a wee upset. Yeah, I mean, they'll yeah, be they'll they'll be thinking that, especially after winning five 0 there. But yeah, Motherwell aren't Motherwell aren't any great shakes right now, are they? No, so, yeah. I think, I think there's a very good chance that that could happen. Yeah, and I was just looking at the other championship teams, Inverness against Hibs. Hmm, don't know. Hibs love a draw these days, don't they? So you never know. Uh, Partick Thistle against Livingston. I reckon that could be a wee upset there. Airdrie versus Hearts. I think Airdrie will just be happy to be involved there. Um, although they're off into the the Diddy Cup final, aren't they? With the, did you see the the Falkirk fans losing the plot after losing to TNS? It's embarrassing, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, imagine, imagine 
going after a bunch of, I was going to say Welsh guys, they're not actually Welsh, are they? They play in the Welsh League, but they actually from a, play just across the border in, in England, don't they? Um, either way, that's that's just, it's given a really horrible account of themselves. I don't get people that have that sort of attitude towards football. I mean, I've been furious. I've been absolutely raging for weeks after games in the past, but I've never felt as though I needed to come out of the game and, and try and batter the away supporters or whatever. Hi. I mean, it is a pretty tragic result, to be fair, but obviously nothing nothing justifies that kind of nonsense. Nah, definitely not. But um, you get Airdrie that final there, I'm sure they'll look forward to that. But I suppose really what we are going to focus on, all we do really care about is Queen's Park going up to Dunfermline. And I think we're all, I was going to say cautiously optimistic, but I don't, I don't think it's cautious at all. I think we're all expecting a, another good performance, another good result for Queen's Park. And here's hoping we will be back next week to discuss exactly that. But until then, Calman Enzo, it's been a pleasure as always. Continue to find us on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod. Continue to find us on Pie and Bovril as well in all the threads relating to Queen's Park. Thank you once again for coming back, listening to us this week, and we will see you all again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Play for the sake of the game.